Hello. How is it going? There we go. There we go. The music's gone. (laughs) Uh, Welcome, guys, to a wonderful podcast. Um, Oh, I've just realized that I still have it open on another place. I'm assuming you did as well. Um, So uh, welcome to the Manual Markers podcast. We're trying to thank new as you may have seen last week we did a live episode with the lovely loretta tail uh, we've got new di- different pieces of software today we're using Streamyard, so hopefully you should be seeing us live on youtube live on twitch uh, i've got a notice that linkedin isn't working but we'll be getting that ready for next week um but yeah today uh, we've got some interesting stuff uh, daniel we have a wonderful des- a guest do you want yeah. to introduce who they are yes it, it will be my honor to um so i'll, I'll again just like last time, I'll read it off because I want to make sure that I say the right things. Um, first and foremost, today's guest is someone who we both actually have had the pleasure of studying together with. And we also have the privilege to call him a friend. He is a hustler at heart. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to get to know him. Um, so without further ado, let me introduce to you, David Borrows. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone. Yo, there we go. Yeah. What's up, David? I'm doing well. How are you? How are you two? Not too bad. Not, yeah, too, bad. not too bad at all. Not thank too you bad for at being all. Being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is my first time on a podcast, so yeah. I'm very excited. That's good. That's good. I remember yeah, my first time on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a first thing for everything. Like even this setup now that Jamal has so kindly and well executed um you know it's a first for us as well so we're getting used to it so we're just having a chat yeah. today it's going to be lovely it's going to be good um the format is uh, for the people who watched the podcast last time or maybe have watched some of the other ones it's the similar way we want to start off by getting to know david a little bit and then we're going to jump into something more like a specific topic and then at the end we have a section with um, seems to be quite popular amongst our friends uh, something called trend versus mainstream. Um, and then after that, we just jump into Q&A or whatever we kind of feel like. Uh, we have a lovely little comment there from uh, Vicklin just saying, hi, David. Um, hi, everyone watching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'm just going to jump jump straight into it. Um, okay, David, cool. David, uh, I'll let you actually start off by just introducing yourself. You know, some people have a special story to tell. Some, you know, I'll, I'll let you do it. I don't want to guide you too much in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Uh... So, um, I'm David. I studied with Jamel and Daniel at Greenwich University. I studied advertising and digital marketing communication. I did actually do my first year at Greenwich. I did, I, I studied, um, football business and marketing at the University College of Football, which is a university campus inside Wembley Stadium, because I'm quite into football. But what I found was because of my disability and because it's quite far from where I live to Wembley, um, I, I want, and as well, I wanted a bit more specific marketing skills that mm-hmm. was very specialist into football so i changed i saw the opportunity that rather than starting again you could swap to um 
direct entry into the YouTube at Greenwich. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. And then in terms of my background, I'm an active disabled person. I've got cerebral palsy, which is, means that I'm in a wheelchair. I'm a wheelchair user and I can't walk unaided. And you might have noticed I've also got a speech impairment. And I've recently developed over the last three years, my disability has meant that I've developed a hearing impairment, unfortunately, but that doesn't stop me um, getting in, wanting to get into marketing and contributing to the world. Exactly, man. That's why, yeah. that's why we introduced you as a hustler at heart. We've seen you in action. So, um, yeah. I hope that I hope the hearing impairment hasn't come from Emmanuel shouting really loudly. Um, <laughs> no, it was it was my um, <laughs> probably my other fiance to be fair. You got to see Beyonce at, at concert. Yeah, so I think Beyonce probably every time she's toured since two thousand and one. Really? Yeah. Okay, so we've known two years and we didn't know this. I didn't know. I know. Well, some people don't like Beyonce, some people do. So, yeah, every time she's toured since 2001, because I'm a bit older than you guys. I'm I'm in my 30s. I'm a bit older than you guys. So, going back, (laughs) I grew up with Destiny Child and Beyonce when she came out. So, yeah, that's it. what that's probably why I've got the hearing impairment. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it, it's from a good cause. I mean, you know, Beyonce, yeah. but uh, it's not, it, I mean, it's better compared to Emmanuel, you know. Yeah. Emmanuel's still amazing, though. Like, let's listen. Yeah. yeah. Um, then, it, so I graduated from, I did the, um, the undergraduate. I actually went back to, do the masters but i recently dropped out because it's the course was a bit too similar to the undergraduate and yeah. i wanted i want to do something different yeah i don't want to be seen to be doing the same what i perceive to be the same thing yeah you don't yeah. want to be you don't want to be doing a whole nother year just to be in education for the sake of it yeah which is what it what it kind of was for me so around christmas time i gave it a turn but then i kind of dropped dropped out and what i want to do now is um start my own social enterprise so that would be um sort of a budding type service where i would support um disabled and deaf um people and those with mental health, just with setting up a body service, finding them a body so they can overcome their isolation and exclusion. I think mm-hmm. it's particularly important post-pandemic, there's going to be a market for this. Yeah. So exactly. that's Imagine. what I'm looking to do from now. Exactly. Nice. Uh, yep. Just, just, uh, a friend of of all of us uh we have a little comment here just saying from rita uh just saying hi guys as well just thought i'd bring that up <laughs> hi rita hi rita 
hope you will. I, I saw that Rita's working for is it Footprint Digital now, right? Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah, she's doing well from what I see on social media. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, that the kind of like segues in. Like, what what made you? Because obviously, you liked football and everything in the be as before you went to Greenwich, but what made you like deep dive into marketing specifically? I, I, so I'm, I'm obviously in my first, I used to work for a disability charity called Scope. Okay. Where I, um, they help disabled children fulfill their potential and stuff. I was actually a fundraiser. So, um, and what I found was that I couldn't get, to that next level without having the a degree, degree. Yeah. so I wanted to I wanted to go back to university and get get a degree and also I missed out on on the degree experience I, I definitely wanted to go back and and get that because in my in my early 20s I would just kind of offered uh, because I Fortunately or unfortunately, when you're disabled, if you meet the right people, you get the right opportunity. So yeah. at Scope, I, I, I just went to a networking day where I was offered the opportunity to become a volunteer. This was when I was 22. And from there, I just progressed into, they just gave me a job eventually a couple years 18 months down the line they offered me a job so okay. i did that for a few years but i found that i couldn't get to that next level without the, the degree so i just thought i would do the degree that's good it kind of answers you know a lot of people always ask like oh do i need a degree do i need like at this point um, it never hurts to have one right um if do you need a degree? It depends. It depends. If you, if you, in my opinion, if you yeah. want to work for a company and, and become management level, then yeah. you need a degree. However, if you just want to start your own business, then there's an argument for not needing a or not needing a degree. Yeah. So if you are an entrepreneur. And you just want to start your own business it's nice to have a degree but do you really need to spend nine thousand pounds pounds a year on a degree yeah it's, I even heard it's, it's, it's it's a debate it's a debate we can have <laughs> i agree i even heard it's going to be more expensive now because of brexit for like people like myself from eu uh, i've heard they're going to increase um the nine grand yeah, it's like, it's like the, the marketing called the marketing masters at Greenwich for EU students and non-EU students is 19,000 or £15,000 and um, it's, it's not, it's not having studied the course of three years and then done a little bit of the masters, is, is it worth it? I'm not sure. That's the question. It's not for me to. It's not. If I if I was to if I was to do if I if I was to take myself back three years. Yeah. And and know what I know now about the degree, would I have done it? Probably not. 
<laughs> I like your honesty. Because of my disability now, I'm not going, I don't want to, I'm not, I, I, I'm not physically capable necessarily of being able to handle the, what you need to become a, a leader, a manager. So, uh, whereas I want a bit more flexibility to start my own business and do my own thing. So, the way I see it is, so. No, sorry, David, let it go. Yes, so the way I see it is that, in my opinion, you only need a degree if you want to work for um, a big company and you want to get to the very top. That will so benefit you, right? So have you, like, changed now? Like, you, you went from, like, wanting to work for corporate and now you want to start your own social price? That's, like... Uh, I, do, I, do, I would I would like to... I would, I, I would have liked to have worked for a big corporate organization, but I think with, with my difficulties, it's yeah. going to be very difficult for me to work full time. So right. I would, I would, uh, if I would, you guys at your age, I would want to go to the top of the corporate ladder. But with, with my, with my personal situation, I, I think that I'd rather um, work for myself. Also, with, with, the, with how I am, I, I would like to help people. Rob. I would, yeah, I would want mm -hmm. to help people and make, make joy for other people rather than just making money for a big corporate organization. Which is nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, right? If you guys want, I know you guys got young businesses and stuff. But if someone your age wants to go and work for Nike or Adidas or whoever and, yeah. and make money for the, the corporate machine, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But me personally, I would just, I want to help people. There's social barriers. I think we're going to come on to that in a minute. There's, there's barriers in society that exist for disabled people and I'd rather help them remove those barriers rather like than it. making a, a mainstream organization richer. No, I, yeah. I like I I've read this. I mean, I haven't read the book. I just know about the book. It's actually from another guy, guy called David. I think it's David Brooks. He talked about the second mountain and uh, he talks about like the first mountain in everyone's life is usually the, you know, the stereotypical one, you know, get a good job, uh, get the car or whatever materialistic thing that you have in your mind. And then when you reach that top, you suddenly go, well, I've reached it. What's the next mountain for me? And I usually think... the second mountain is what you describe now. You know, you want to help others. You want something yeah. bigger than just. I, I think I would, I think because of my disability, I, I've reached the top of the first mountain because I couldn't talk to her with five years old, yeah? I didn't say a word, I couldn't speak. And then I was in special needs institutionalized education until yeah. I was in secondary school, which is right. 11 years old. So I was, I was taken from special needs school into mainstream education at 11 years old. So for, us, for me to, for me, and I, I couldn't read or write until I was 
nine or ten, yeah. So for what? me to have a have a full time job, go to university, work in the corporate world, albeit not not that high up, yeah, but yeah. worked in the corporate world. I think I'm at the top of that first mountain, and now mm -hmm. I want to go to that go to the second mountain. You are inspiration in yourself, David. You know, for me, um, with all due respect and everyone who is ever watching and stuff, you know, it is a topic, you can't deny the fact that it's a topic that sometimes not hard to to talk about, but you are, it's one of those topics that you worry to say something wrong if you haven't, you know, dealt with it on a daily basis. Now, when I met you in uni, you know, we started developing a friendship and stuff and everything become very normal to me. Like you did better than me in some of the courses. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you're at the same level and you don't even think at that point, like, what am I saying? But as you are now at, on a podcast and stuff, um, I want to, you know, try to dive into some of the, the, the topics of disability and stuff yeah. in the marketing world. Uh, cause yeah. if I may, Jamal, is it okay? I'll yeah. move into it. Um, because I know that you wrote a dissertation about, you know, kind of merged the disability and marketing into one. Would you mind explaining a little bit what it was about? Yeah, so it was about exploring the underrepresentation of disabled people within the advertising world. Yeah. So I I I don't remember it that you what the statistics are. And lots of different disabled people have lots of different statistics. But yeah. it is clear that there is an underrepresentation of disabled people within advertising when you compare it to everything else. Exactly. However, however, you the same what I've learned during the um dissertation process and since it's not just disabled people that are underrepresented, right? So you could argue that women are underrepresented or you could argue that people from ethnic backgrounds are underrepresented. However, those, those, those people, those people that like women and people from different ethnic backgrounds, those issues are discussed yeah. and have been discussed quite extensively in the media, right? Particularly yeah. with the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, in my opinion, disability is still not discussed in the mainstream me media and in advertising because it's, it's yes, be honest about it. Advertising sex sales, right? Sexy yeah. advert sales and disability is not sexy, if be fair, it's, it's right. over the years, it's not been sexy, it doesn't sell as well, people are scared, as you said, people are scared of saying the, the wrong thing, so they kind of yeah. don't, they ignore the issue, right? They yeah. ignore it. And, and this is brought to their attention, so if it's brought to their attention, yeah. and if, if it's explained to them properly, they might represent a disabled person or disability in advertising. And since I've done the dissertation, you have seen an increase in the representation of disability and disabled people. 
but yeah. there's still a hell of a long way to go within, within that you shared a really lovely uh interview i think i think it was from your friend who was on like gary v's uh yeah company. so my my friend martin sibia he we met at scope and he yeah. he would be a good person to maybe try and contact this podcast and oh, to yeah, give you, you a sort of, to give you a sort of contrast into what i'm saying but he he started his own um marketing agency so he partnered up with the go agency yeah and what he's trying to do is trying to increase the representation of um disabled people within advertising as well as doing some other bits and pieces so it it is getting better but i think the 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 main the main sort of thing that came out that it disabled people are still underrepresented it's, it's, uh, people just it just needs to become part of everyday life it just needs to be normal life it just think, needs to be normal yeah i think a lot of the problem is a lot of people are uneducated when it comes to the issues uh, and as as daniel said it's about you know scared to say the wrong thing but also some people just yeah they don't they're not educated on the issue enough like i'm uh I've told you this before, David. My my mother was wheelchair bound. Uh, she was paralyzed yeah. from the neck down, and um, there was so like it was a daily occurrence of if we were going out shopping because my mum loved to shop. That was what we loved to do. So we'd take her out shopping, and sh people would say, you know, you can't bring that in here because she used a wheelchair, an electric wheelchair. And people would be, no, 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 you can't use that because they they think it's like an electric scooter or or you know you know something that old people yeah. normally leave outside. But uh, it, it, you had to explain to them that, you know, she physically couldn't walk. There was no way she could leave it outside. It was don't go in or... or, or uh, you know what, Jamal, that's an interesting point. So yeah. it's, 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 it comes back to the fact that it's not anything to do with um, the underrepresented... It's not advertising or marketers' fault. Yeah. yeah it's a societal issue 100%. so until you you address it's like throughout your matters right until you address the issue in society and you educate people that disabled people or people from minority backgrounds are no different from anyone else how yeah. can you expect mainstream advertising and marketing to to bring disabled people on board a hundred percent so i think there's a step back i think by people jumping into setting up a project or agencies to to address the issue that's fine but yeah. for me you have to address the societal issue so right, you have yeah. to educate in schools or you have to yeah you have to continue that education yeah it's a, it's a similar thing is like you always sit there's always these videos online of of people like trying to have a go at someone for using a disabled part you know uh parking space and it turns out they were disabled all along um you yeah know, it was a hidden disability so there's it's a lot of people you know there's a lot of people that are disabled they just don't show it as well so, so you know it's not always physically um that you can see you know sometimes people have ms and you know they'll be in a wheelchair for two weeks at a time but then a month yeah. or two they'll be able to walk and see, so see. yeah so, you know, 
No, no, no problem. It's just, it's just say it's 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 very interesting, and the whole I think a lot of it, as you said, it comes down to education, and then also the issue of some people they tend to pity people that are disabled, and there's that aspect, and so it's like, oh, I'm sorry for you, and, and stuff. Where you know, as a disabled person, I'm sure you hate that more than anything. What, yeah. what's, your, what's your view? Um, I was gonna ask you, Gwen, actually, because I was gonna ask you about if you don't mind, how do you think? We had how how do you think the disability landscape within advertising is now, and how would you guys uh, how would you guys improve? It? Oh, Good question. Yeah, I, I think question. I I I was about to ask that like, because you know it, you you say it's a societal problem and stuff, but again at the end of the day, as our job as a marketer, I'm not saying it's always profits. You know, it could be. Our job to educate from that end i know schools should probably educate all the way down but we could make a bigger focus as a marketer to include people and not make like the focus on this is a disabled person and focus around the campaign like that just have someone in the campaign about i don't know uh kit cats but just have someone yeah. you know just like make it um the Malteser ad did a very good version of this, where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the same way that it, it's it's going in the right direction, but it needs a step. You know, back in the nineties and early two thousands, there was a you know, gay people were very you know they started being represented very well, but it, it was in a very bad way, and it was you know, yeah, they made the whole story about them being either gay, lesbian, bisexual, yes, yeah. and and that was their character. And at the moment, we're seeing the same thing with disabled people in advertising, popular media, culture, where they're starting to include people that are, you know, not able-bodied, but it's their defining character. And that's not what people are like in real life. That's just a part of their every, you know, that's it's, it's, it is a part of who they are, but it's not who they are. Yeah. Um, it's just something that they think. And I think that's yeah. the biggest thing is it's, it's not focusing on the disability, but including people that aren't able bodies as, as much as possible. Yeah, because in part of my research findings was that disabled people are not necessarily underrepresented, but what is the problem if had they're represented? So you know, you were saying about being defined by their disability. disability. Like I would be, if I was in that I would be defined because I'm a wheelchair user, right? Yeah. Rather than just including me as David. Yeah. So and we, we, like in Denmark, would be a secondary thing. Hmm. So exactly. in Denmark, they in Denmark they did this thing where they for Olympics because obviously you have Olympics for the you know disabled like people. It doesn't have to be a disability. It could be that they've lost their you know arm in a in a war Olympics or something. An Olympics. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. So they kind of like they made one campaign where they included both. And it didn't make, you know, it didn't say that this was Olympics for that, this was Olympics for this. They just said these are athletes, like all of them are athletes, and they put them all into one bracket. Um, and I mean, obviously, I can say that I thought it looked good, but based on the feedback that I've read and seen in the news, people like that. So, David, what do you think? Is that like a good way of like, as an example of a campaign to like include everyone into one? Or is that too uh, easy? I, don't know. I, I think I think it depends on the it depends, doesn't it? I mean, if you're if you're having an advertising campaign specifically for disabled people, then they would be it would be 
only include disabled people. But if you would integrate the two together, you would have the two together. So it would just depend on on what you was what you would promoting. I don't think there's enough. I from the evidence I've seen recently, it's it's gone it's gone the other way. So they're trying to integrate disabled people and non-disabled people together. Yeah. But you you don't see apart from elderly people and um, or older people, you don't see disability specific products or Go services. On. So uh, there's a market just for there's a market for dis uh, disabled there's a market for disabled people, right? There's 14 million disabled people in the UK. market. Yeah, so there's, I think, um, there's 1.3 billion disabled people worldwide. I think okay. the, uh, the spend of disabled people is $8 trillion a year. So there, there's, there's, a whole, there's a whole different market for disabled people, which is what the go agency and purple go trying to explore explore that moment. So it's not just about um integrating disabled people and non disabled people together, which is good. That's the what that's one angle and that's what we want. Yeah. That's what we want. We want there's two issues here. That's one issue. There's a societal issue whereby you want disabled people and non disabled people to just be one inclusive society, but also mm -hmm. there's a whole mark separate from that disabled people, just like black people, or people from oh oh gay and lesbian people, just 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 that community. There's a whole there's a whole community not being sure. tapped into, right? So sure. it would be it would be a product that I would use yeah just for a disabled person that you and daniel jamal and daniel wouldn't use but at the moment that's not being that's not being marketed no it's true it, it, but it is one of those challenges again you know with facebook ads and stuff as they were discussing even with gary v that it you can't like there is no button i don't know if yet especially now with the ios 14 like there's no button saying target people on phones who are disabled you know what I mean? No. So in terms of targeting as well, I think marketers becoming lazy and they're like, oh, okay, yeah. well, I don't know how to target proper. Um, so I'm just going to do like, I don't know, influence a campaign or something. Well, I, th yeah. I, think, I think also like there's also the other aspect of what Daniel said earlier, where it's like people are worried about saying the wrong thing. I think some brands are worried about if we market yeah. something that's beneficial to non-able-bodied they're worried that they're going to be seen as the bad guy because they're just yep. trying to make money out of disabled people um yeah. so the the you know they sure. they have to worry about what able-bodied think even though it no. doesn't really affect them yeah no but disabled people want want product right that's specifically yeah. for disabled people you know i've got a i've got a wheelchair wheelchair of Oh, expensive, right? Oh, with the back to square, then I don't know if wheelchair are very expensive. But there there is a it's a product for specific for dis disabled people made by disabled people. 
No, that's good. That's good. You're obviously disabled people, no disabled people, right? But you need, why why can't it be a mainstream brand making mainstream products for disabled people or products for disabled people? So I think, yeah, there's two avenues to uh, address the, the societal issue where you integrate disabled people and non-disabled people but also there's the issue of trying to tap into a market which is worth so much money yeah and brands are not brands are not tapping into that market and they should be they're missing out on on that market because they think that it's expensive they think disabled people are expensive right so for example to put in a ramp for a building, that would be too expensive. But mm-hmm. they're not realizing the spending power that disabled people have. And if they put that ramp into that building, the disabled yeah. person could access it and then spend their money on the products that that building or company sells, right? So mm-hmm. that company, whoever it may be, are not, are not fulfilling that they're, they're advertising or their marketing potential because they're missing out on the spending power of disabled people. 100%. I remember we talked about this when you were doing the dissertation. Uh, you yeah. remember, David, when we talked about like, yeah. the, the, like the customer journey of like how much potential there is if people yeah. like open up their eyes for it? Um, but is so there much any, potential. Is there any brands, David, that you think are doing really well? Um, with the things that well, you're saying missing, I I'll be honest with you. This is the other thing. Me me, this is my personal opinion. I don't um, sorry, I don't um, buy um, I don't buy you. Know, I don't think I've never really thought of like brands as as disabled brands or they should be um selling disabled products. I'll just buy products, right? Which Got it. could be another problem. So I just buy um this shirt, I buy this shirt or I buy this computer. It's from a mainstream brand, right? I yep. don't really think about um oh this is this is a, a, this should be from a disabled brand. Okay. So I, I but I so so there's that um the 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 a brand that I think is doing very well from a external perspective is Nike so Nike Nike. I don't know if you've seen the adverts the advertising adverts that feature disabled people and and everybody basically I think they're the 80s advert if nothing can stop us so they're okay. trying to get people to um exercise and get out in the community and such um so ah, that's yeah, yeah. from their advertising perspective they're very um they're trying to include disabled athletes and non-disabled yeah. athletes and they're trying to do all that however from an internal perspective they they're not very diverse in according to various um 
sources like the Financial <laughs> Times, they're not very diverse in their staff, oh, yeah. in their staff right? And yeah. so I think I got these organisations that are in the disability world do well externally, but you have to question whether they do well internally. And the answer has, has to be no, because they're missing out on this market, right? Yeah, they're missing out on, and they're not selling the pro, the products to the, this um this audience. So in terms, of going back to your original question of, are there companies doing good companies that do well towards disability? Honestly, I I I don't I don't think about it. But having yeah. thought about it, I don't think there's many because the, I have to buy disabled products from from disabled companies, right? Yeah. Or like yeah. wheelchair from wheelchair. So um, are you are you then are you then so, I'm sorry to interrupt David. I'm not trying to be rude or anything. I just wondered are you um are you then for instance if I had to choose between an iPhone or like a MacBook and a Windows computer, I always choose Mac because I'm brand focused. So yeah. Are you all? Do you think that within the market of disabilities and people with disability, do you think that people are just as you know brand focused in terms of the products that they're about to choose, or do you think there's less of that because of the lack of mark no. uh, focus on marketing? No, then I don't think they're. I don't think they're. Well, I don't think they're brand focused. Um, because they they don't have the choice yeah. to be. Do, do we need to change that? Do you think? Yeah, I think uh, uh, the way you change that is by getting um, mainstream companies to sell to sell products that are just for disabled people to disabled people. So Nike, so, if they, if they made a selection. So, for example, you wouldn't sell female products to men, would you? Or no. male products to women. That's so true. It's the same. it's the same thing, but you need a section that is just for disabled people, right? I hope Nike, like, so Nike, if they came out with a campaign or like a collection saying, you know, this, this is for, you know, disabled yeah, so, people. Or this, so Nike, Nike could come out, could they? Sporty, they're the biggest sporting brand in the world. Mm -hmm. They could, they could um, come out with a with a selection of sports wheelchairs, for yeah. example, that is specific for disabled people. But with Nike on the wheelchair. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I like that. For like example, that. or That's or. I don't, I don't know what another example would be. Off-white coming out with some sneakers for you guys. Yeah, or, yeah. or another brand could create a piece of clothing that's easy to get on for people that are wheelchair. Yeah, so that's, that's another, I think, I'm not particularly into fashion myself, but there's a lot of disabled, particularly female influencers that are always sort of mentioning that there is a lack of clothing for disabled people right you can't yeah. you can't really get you can't really get accessible clothing because of the wheelchair wheelchair the way people sit their yep. impairments and stuff so yep. yeah 
clothing is fashion is yeah fashion is a is a big untapped market so it's untapped market yeah so you guys run a fashion agency right part of it so maybe something that you guys could look into because like i said to you it's 14 million disabled people just in the uk so yeah uh, but when i say 14 million disabled people in the uk let me just caveat that with my personal opinion yes that's true however where's the segmentation in that yeah yeah, yeah. asthma asthma counts as a disability and that's not you know or you know it depends on yeah yeah i know what you mean you mean more like not able-bodied is is the main yeah so you just gotta you get in my opinion when people say to me 14 million disabled people in the uk with a spending power of of i think in the uk is 250 billion pounds a year right i would caveat that with yes but how what is your target audience how many men how many women what ages they are what their yeah. interests are what their demog social demographics are so and actually when you break that down is the market that big so maybe when maybe that's the other thing about advertising why they don't advertise because when you when you break it when you break that 14 million people down in the uk into segments how big is the audience is it worth because marketing is about making profit yeah building relationship profitably making as much money as you can make so when you break that um that down is it is, are they going to make money exactly. i don't know so That's it's something you've got to think about but as you were saying daniel is it not more of a social responsibility to just do it because for example nike or facebook or amazon or google or apple they make enough yep. so they could just spend a bit of that profit on making these products for disabled people right i, I agree it would impact on them massively and they would be making a societal difference right i agree i i think i think it's to the i agree 100 like for me it's pretty straightforward i think to i think it goes to jamal's point of like some brands even the big ones are just too scared of coming across in the wrong way and then because of that little fear or big fear they just avoid it but in my opinion i agree with you david i mean there is a massive market for it it's a good thing for society um and it should be the big guy's responsibility you know yeah, I was reading. I was reading. Um, I was reading the other day, researching into my business idea. There's an awful lot of people, disabled people, that cannot access the internet because of their disability. So I think two thirds of disabled people surveyed cannot okay. access the internet for whatever reason because the 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 websites for example for blind people yeah. are not most of the websites are not equipped for people with visual impairment right yeah so um they, they there's that as well 
So did the cost associated to that as well. So there's multiple things that they've got to consider here. I would also say, so that it's just come into my head. I yeah. think Apple and Samsung and Microsoft and all, all those technology companies do actually provide accessible functions within their software. They Obviously, do. They do. Okay. I don't actually know how good they are because I don't use them myself. But I, I know I know the Microsoft uh, actually have some really good hardware for disabled people as well as software. So yeah, they're, they're very good. Yeah. Use a lot of them. So maybe maybe those companies are are good at um, providing those services because it's techno technological, right? But yeah. then a caveat to that is well, if I was playing devil's advocate. I would say that it benefits everybody, right? So yeah. having that technological advancement benefits society as a whole, whereas okay. having a wheelchair for Nike only benefits what yeah. uh, there's only 1.2 million disabled people in the UK, not every, not which is a small, small market here. Not yeah. all of them are manual wheelchair users like me some of yeah. them are powered wheelchair users there yeah? so again the market is very very small if you break it down the market is prob probably very small but again they make all this money they could i for the benefit I, of society they could just do it 100 i think if i was you know if we were sitting david if you were sitting with nike chairman and all these guys just say to them you know just do a collaboration with the people who are already or the companies that are already making really good wheelchairs um just yeah. make a collaboration so they you know they are they're still backed up by the right people if that makes sense yeah because what it why is it down to why is it down to disabled people to come up with solution for for disabled people, if it's like the Black Lives Matters movement, yeah, and the, the systemic racism that exists in society, black people, people from ethnic minorities background, they can't change society themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They need people from from um white white people to help them change yeah. society, yeah. So we need as much as disabled people want to want want to be a community they can't do it by themselves they can't change society by themselves they need non-disabled people or able-bodied people whichever word you prefer to use they they need those people to help them change society 100 percent. i love it i love it it's a good yeah, method yeah. a lot of people are giving you a good uh um, yeah, yeah, we, we've had uh, loving this unique perspective from Victor uh, here. Oh. Thanks, David. We've uh, had an inspirational and then we've had a, a nice little love heart as well. Oh, um, just uh, so we will move on to another topic in a sec, as uh, obviously just because, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we don't want to just make, you know, you know, just yeah. because you're disabled, the only thing you, we're going to talk about. No, yeah, yeah, of course not. Um, I appreciate that. Um, but uh, it's it, I, I completely agree. And it is very weird how a lot of issues in societies um, that 
the issue it's it's the people that are in the majority that aren't marginalized are the only ones that can really fix the a lot of the issues um, yeah which is you know with uh, racism it take you know it's white people have to realize that they are privileged um no yeah. matter how hard it is to grasp that you know able bodies need to be able to um notice that non-able bodies need to be included and and be uh uh, be educated on on the subjects and be able to um be in inclusive in just being able to allow uh, non-able-bodied people to just exist in, in in the world that we are because it's it's you know such a complex um uh world these days and so it's interesting how it, yeah it's always the non-marginalized that need to fix the issue uh yeah for the they do um while we go into let's go into another uh, thing so it's quite interesting of what we were talking about earlier um so before we go into our favorite thing which is trend versus mainstream let's have a little discussion about what it's you know whether or not it's worth studying marketing at the start uh and before we jump straight into with you david what i find quite interesting with you daniel is that um you went you came to the uk from a country uh Denmark, where there is free education, and decided to come here and pay fifteen thousand pounds a year. Um, so you you still chose uni, and even though you had the option of free education, yeah. uh, you still decided to come here and pay a load of money for it. Um, yeah. Why? <laughs> I know a lot. Yeah. I, a lot of every. I remember when I was working in uh, Ralph Lauren, and I was I took that uh, decision. Everyone was like, "You are stupid." Like it literally on paper, stupid, black and white, stupid. But um, no, I think, I think for me, and it wasn't a move of like, no, or, you know, some people actually saw it as an arrogant move. They were like, oh, so you want to like pay for it instead of like getting for free. I mean, remember, um, we get the free education because we have one of the highest taxes in the world. Yeah. Uh, so my parents are the ones I have to thank for <laughs> one, for the for the opportunity to have a free education. But I think. Uh, studying in London specifically and that university where it was known to be multicultural uh, I took that decision because I met people like yourself I met mm -hmm. people like you Jamal met people like David who not just only inspired me but also made me a better person um, you know because because and I'm, not, I'm saying it sounds very like cheesy but it's just because everyone came to this university with their own stories with their own challenges good and bad um, but I just knew like in Denmark, I'm not saying that not, not no one has struggles over there. I just know it would have been a more like traditional well experience, I, I'm sure. But over here, it was something, a challenge that I thought was would benefit me long term. So I didn't mm. see it as a going into debt, you know. Mm. So, David, what's your thoughts on uh, is, is studying university at all, let alone just marketing? Is it is it worth it these days? Um, um... For me, uh, I think I said that earlier. If you want, if you want to be an entrepreneur, no. If you want to just um, be in in a sort of like middle management job, and that's all you're gonna get to, then no, you can do that without a degree. However, if you wanna be the chief executive of Nike. You probably need that extra critical thinking stuff that university gives you to be able to get to that level. 
in general, as an yeah, overall yeah. As an overall, yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, if you want to be a doctor, you need to the one. Rule, but, yeah. yeah, there are exceptions to the rule. But in general, if you want to get to that high level, you probably need a degree to do it. Yeah. What do you um, think? Uh, so I, I'm, I would say I'm one of those exceptions to the rule. Uh, just one sec. We had a little question thing here that says you guys are underrated. Uh, Persian King, you are the king. Uh, keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> um so I, I i would say i'm the exception to that rule i went into university knowing that i wanted to be, still be an entrepreneur i wanted to be uh i wanted to start a business it wasn't until i met daniel and and you know we clicked quite well that i realized what kind of business that would be um because i was already before uni in the corporate bit a bit you know i was doing sales business yeah. development stuff like that um and uh, I went in because I wanted the network. So the network was the big thing for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, the people, the network, and also just some time because uh, you're never going to be, you know, have the amount of time you have available than when you're at university. Um, because although you've still got, there's a, you know, university is hard. It is hard. And there's some, you know, we've had our fair share of time in the libraries, um, you know. Yeah. But, um you know you're technically as long as you can get enough from either your parents savings or the the government from their government loans uh, if you have a part-time job you know you have a lot of free time to be able to build what you want um while you know you have to pay you have to worry about rent and paying bills yeah. and stuff outside of being a student so that was the main reason for me and i think a lot of the time if you if you don't really know if you're young and you don't really know where you want to go you want to find yourself a bit, meet new people, build up a network. I think it definitely has its place. You just have to be aware that if you if there's a specific place you want to go, there's probably a better way to do it. Um, you know, if, if if you know what you want to do, you could probably do it a lot cheaper and a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. it's like a, like a platform where you get to know what you want to do more, yeah. and also you get to know other people. Like I remember, I remember one time I saw David in the library with his with one of his groups during. I'm not gonna say what group, but yeah, was, I remember. Yeah. He, was, he was fuming because he like he was working so hard on these things, um, and it was not working out with the group and stuff. But I remember, you yeah. know, it's one of those moments where you connect with. I, I sat down with David and we yeah. talked yeah. about challenges. And who knows, like, you know, um, if I had to be hired by David one day or opposite, you know, yeah, yeah. from that experience. That was a bad, that was a bad <laughs> That was bad. <laughs> <laughs> we did, we did well in the end. We, I think we got 75 or something. But mm -hmm. yeah, it, it was hard. <laughs> no, man. Uh, well, shall we, um. Yeah, should we go on to trend versus mainstream now? So this is a little thing we do, Dan, uh, David. Uh, it's called trend versus mainstream. So we're going to go through uh, five different topics, uh, and then you will start each one, and we'll go through whether or not we think they are trend or mainstream. So I'm going to bring you to the front for this. Um, basically, the trend or mainstream that we will first be talking about, just because I'm going to make and add a little banner here, um, is... Oh, not that one. We're still getting used to this, guys, for everyone that's <laughs> doing great, Jamal. Well done. Thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah, so the first one is influencer marketing. What's your view? Do you think it will, is it just a trend? Will it change? Um, is it going to be, is it mainstream already? What's your view? 
Um, well, it's definitely mainstream already when it gets onto mainstream TV shows and they're talking about the efficacy of influencers going to Dubai in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> because they want to they yeah. want a holiday basically so yeah. um the 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 topic right the 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 topic is well known i think the the public are 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 getting used to the topic i think it's the type of people that um are in influence and marketing that i've seen that that are featured in the mainstream media gives it a bad name. I don't think it's represented in a good way necessarily amongst the general public. But I do think it's a mate. I do think it's here to stay. But it's got a long way to go. It's got a long way to develop. I, I I completely agree. So for me, it's uh, I think I don't like the word influencer, but I think it fits quite well with a certain type. So as you said, those type of people that went to Dubai and sell, uh, you know, push detox teas and stuff yeah. over Instagram. I think influencer and content creator are two very different things. You know, influencers yeah. remind me very much of the uh, the nineties reality TV people. <laughs> um you know those kind of people the people that got big famous brother, from yeah. one season yeah one season of big brother yeah. or the jade goodies the um uh, and stuff yeah. like that. katie price <laughs> you know but um and so these are that equivalent you know they're famous for being famous um yeah but then you have the content creators which still to this day at the moment come under influencer marketing if you work with them but I'm seeing some really great pieces of campaign with there. And I think eventually the way I hope it goes is that it goes more towards content creators. Yeah, and same here. Focus is there. And then influencer marketing with influencers, not content creators, will hopefully just be a trend. That's the way I hope. Yeah. Uh, Daniel? I put on, I think I'm going to put these on every time we have this section. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, influencer marketing. Sorry? Sorry, just for the audio listeners, he's put blue light glasses on again. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even mine, it's my brother's. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, influencer marketing is definitely mainstream. However, to the point that you both, like you said, you know, content creators, I actually think that the people that we now say influencer marketing is not like those people who represent it in a bad way, they shouldn't be called influencers. They should be called content, cre content creators because they just create content. For the people who mm. actually talk about, you know, uh, you know, uh, stuff that are like difficult to talk about, or to talk about, yeah. you know, healthy stuff, and mm. actually trying to make an influence, they should be yeah. called influencers. However, because the other people started, it has been flipped upside down. So mm -hmm. I think it's a shame. I think actually the people who influence, they should have that name, and it should be a good name. But yeah, the people exactly. who are, you know, just yeah, again, Dubai, blah blah blah, stereotype representing a life that maybe i'm not saying it's impossible because i don't believe in that but having a rolex when you're you know 14 it's maybe not exactly what everyone yeah, yeah. so yeah that's my point no problem i get that um so let's go into the next one we have meat replacement so this is that one uh so this is stuff like beyond me all the vegan option versions of meat oh so your fake chicken, your fake beef. <laughs> trend or mainstream? This, this is definitely a trend. Mm -hmm. um, I am 
a meat eater, I would not. Well, I would. I I remember once at university, actually, someone, um, Harvey. Remember Harvey? Yeah, yeah. And um, he 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 got me to eat. Uh, uh, we went to Greenwich Market, and he got me to eat a vegan burger. Mhm. Mm mhm. And it was the it is is I don't know what I, I can't <laughs> remember what it. Is. What it was, I think it was a beetroot, beetroot burger, right? Usually, so, um, the, the the most disgusting thing I've If you're gonna have a, if you're gonna have a, you can't have a meat, a, 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 a replacement for meat. And mm. I mean, you can't. You are the vegetarian and don't eat meat, or you eat meat. There's a, a, a meat replacement is definitely a trend. It's like, it's like a, oh, I want to get healthy. How can I get healthy and stay fit and stuff? It's definitely a trend. See, I, I, I completely disagree, David. Um, I think I think it's going to be massive. When you've got stuff like the Beyond Meat, I don't know if you've tried these, but they honestly, they bleed like cows. That like the the burgers have the hemoglobin like they red, they're greasy, like they taste like meat. If I put two in front of like us, we wouldn't tell the difference. Yeah. yeah. And so I think as the technology goes a bit further, I think we're at a point now where the amount of meat we eat is unsustainable, and not just yeah. unsustainable, not just unsustainable mm. in terms of like climate change and stuff like that. I think we're going to run out of space with the amount so, of people. So, yeah, but it's not mainstream at the moment, is it? Yeah, exactly. I don't at think the moment, but but it may become mainstream yeah. in the future when they when they when there's only a few products, right? There's too many products. Yeah. On the market at the moment for it to be mainstream. I'm looking at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. I definitely think it's a trend at the moment, but I think it could become mainstream. However, there also is the other option of um, when they can three D print meat. So, what? you know, you, yeah. So you can at the moment they've been able to three D print a steak um, using <laughs> stem cells, um, but you've got the ethical issues of stem cells. Yeah, is that where they take? Because I've always heard about they take the fibers that are in meat. And they use that for the no 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 so what you would use is you would use such as for example the stem cells they come from either one or two places either inside the bones like the bone marrow yeah. um or from a uh an embryo so um the egg of uh inside a woman uh, inside a woman's uterus you know what would eventually become fertilized to become a baby so that's where the ethical issue comes uh, obviously some people will say they're you know, then they're, they're not technically alive yet. So, you know, they're just eggs. It's no different than sperm, which people just throw away all the time as well. Um, but then some people say, you know, that is potentially a life. So, um, you know, there, there's ethical issues, which is why it's not been able to skyrocket into becoming a thing, because you could also technically 3D print, you know, a human heart. If someone needs a heart transplant, you don't need to find someone to be able to do it because you could just print one that matches them perfectly um using their own stem cells um so there's that aspect from the medical aspect but it could also change the way we know as food and, and meat as it is once you can start 3d printing 
on mass um you know steaks and burgers and stuff and this is something i need to educate myself on wow that's yeah cool. i don't know enough of that to be to be fair if you are the uh owner of beyond meat please uh or someone that works in this field please let us know we'll be happy to have you on the podcast to talk about it yeah <laughs> I would love to, yeah um okay. current meat replacements what's your thoughts uh me yeah yeah, I, I agree. I'll make it short. I think it's um, currently a trend, but it is going to be mainstream with the way yeah. people are thinking and moving ahead. Yeah. Perfect. No problem. Okay. Uh, so we'll go on to the next one. Electric cars, David, Tesla, Neo, all of these, you know, thing. Is it a trend? Is it going to become mainstream or is it just going to fall off and we're all going to go back to petrol? No, no, it has to become a mainstream because of the the sustainability of the environment i think that it's not there yet but i think in 20 years time it will definitely well yeah well maybe a bit sooner than trend but it will definitely become mainstream it depends how it depends on the price of the card right it depends yeah on the affordability of the card and it also depends on the government and the the regulations that the government has around electric cars and petrol cars. So I don't know when, I don't know when that's going to, I think carbon emissions by 2035. So by yeah. then, yeah, it's definitely yeah. mainstream. Yeah. So uh, quite something that I found quite interesting is that, so my dad, yeah, he, re, he leases cars for his company and stuff. And um, I was having this chat with him the other day because it's his time to change car. He does it every three years. It's time to get a new lease. Um, and uh, I've been trying to convince him because it is both sustainably beneficial and also financially uh, beneficial to himself due to all the government handouts and stuff um, to get an electric car. But one of the biggest problems, uh, you know, that we found so far um, is that he in his head, he can't get past the fact that, you know, electric isn't it. There's going to be something else soon afterwards. So he's very much focused on hydrogen. He's like, there's going to be hydrogen cars. There's no point getting electric yet because hydrogen cars mm -hmm. or he will say something along the lines of, uh, yeah, but they're not there yet, are they? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't want to get them while they're still new. And I find a lot of people have this mindset of, um you know, the electric cars aren't there yet, so there's no point doing it. You know, they don't want to be that first mover advantage, which, you know, people like us, us free, we're very much first mover advantage, yeah. I would say. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, That's but the, the everyday point. people, they want to wait until it's, you know, hit that thing. And I think Tesla is eventually getting there. Uh, you know, they, they are getting there. But um, the the everyday thing, most people can't afford a Tesla. So the, the, the Nissan Leaf, the Vauxhall Corsa um, thing, those, it's hard to break that barrier. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see, but I do think hopefully in the next 30 years that they will become mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, think we, uh, I don't think we disagree on this one. Any of us, I think, I, th I think personally the day Mercedes Benz is going to come out with a normal electric car. That's like, they both going to have the high class and also just like the everyday kind of thing. Then I think it's mainstream. So I just want to, uh, based on the, the topic that we were talking about a second ago with the meat replacements and stuff. There was a question from Persian King that was about fake sperm. Um, and so there was a really interesting TikTok I saw from a guy called Hank Green, who runs a lot of the Crash Course stuff. Uh, he's a big digital content creator. And um, he uh, was talking about this 
topic that's become quite big on social media recently, which is that, yes, technically you could print fake sperm and you could print a fake egg. And there is technically you could a woman could, if they wanted to, using the current processes that are available in science, um, they could use the stem cells from themselves, print a fake sperm and then inseminate themselves and become pregnant with their own baby. What? Now, obviously, this is not very ethical and stuff, but it is interesting that science allows you to do this. Um, yeah. Just yeah. a little mind blow there for you, you guys. <laughs> you see, David, this uh, business partner and friend and stuff I have here, he knows everything about... <laughs> yeah. I think, I I think, you, could, I think you could start a science podcast with me and you <laughs> Me and you, me and you, scientists. <laughs> not me and you, marketers. going into science, which I have no idea. Yeah, let's let's, let's give an, an opinion on this. <laughs> let's uh, let's not spray too far into that. Um, but uh, the next one is not something that's quite quite close. <laughs> it's quite close to da uh, Daniel's heart. Uh, it is blue light glasses. Uh, what is your thought, uh, David? Um, you know what blue light glasses are, yeah? Not, not does it prevent any glare on the screen, yeah? Yeah, kind of. Daniel, why don't you go first with, with yeah? Why, why don't you go first so you can explain what they are? <laughs> in, in, uh, in, yeah, so I can give my opinion. All right. Um, so blue light glasses, um, I think the reason why it's called blue light glasses is because usually the the light that you get from your your screens, you know, your your phone, your laptop, your computer, whatever, it has a blue light. Uh, I don't know the terminologies, but it has a blue light. And then usually what you would do around nighttime, you would put it on night mode, so it would go kind of like a yellow, you know, yellow um, flare like color, and that would like ease the pressure on your eyes, and you will probably work better or in the long term not damage your eyes now even though a lot of computers and phones they have this ability to put night mode on there is this thing of like putting blue light glasses on who hatched which has this effect um of like the let's say the night mode it just the, the lens is making everything more yellow um now it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs and stuff have on when they do podcasts, when they film themselves and stuff. And it for me, it's kind of like, oh, it's a cool thing to have. It's like back in the days when people had, I think people still have, but like a Mont Blanc pen, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So they, um, that's, that's it. It doesn't have okay. like... I think that if this is a product for a specific audience that need them so if if there's a need then if it, if there's a need in that market then of course it's mainstream but i think there's a danger looking at what um you can at daniel on the way they're wearing them that they could they could become a trend amongst other people which could be a bad bad thing right because it's it's not needed amongst or is it needed among everybody is there is it something that everybody needs or is it something that i need i need glasses but someone else wouldn't but i'm talking about people 
people that don't need glasses would wear those. They technically need them. So they do need them, but there is a fashionable aspect as well. So there is there is a kind of need, but it is also you could just turn the blue light off in your in on your screens. Yeah. There is I I can't think of most most devices allow you to just turn it off anyway. So yeah. there is the, the fashionable aspect on it. So for myself, I don't like it. I'm sure, you know, David, you might feel yeah. the same. Is that back in the day when we were in school, we would get bullied for wearing glasses. You know, we'd be called yeah. four eyes and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And now it's suddenly fashionable, and it's like, yeah, you know, we've still got that deep. You, you know, when you're like really young, if you grow up fat, yeah, a, a, no matter how, even if you lose all that weight, you always still feel like, you know, people are are, are looking at you wrong, or that you, they see you as fat. Um, so it's um, or they're judging you for for your weight. And the same thing I feel like is with um with glasses, is that you know everyone's it's now fashionable but i'm i hate wearing my glasses usually even for you know any time of video you we do you know this daniel is that i will always take my glasses off because i don't like how i look in on them because everyone always you know growing up always took the mickey out of it so it's interesting now that it's a fashion statement um because all of us that had to grow up with that pain uh, yeah. you know i'm not obviously it's 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 just being called four eyes and stuff but it it's it's still it over time adds up and adds a lot which it's now fashionable and it's, it's weird it's it's a weird thing to yeah <laughs> yeah I, I don't think i think it's definitely a trend i don't i don't think i think in general it's a trend i think there's people that need them but i think in the most part they're quite fashionable so and they look quite good so in my opinion it's a trend so Next, uh, last one of these trend versus uh, mainstream is food kits. So what this is, is um, this is uh, stuff like HelloFresh um, yeah. and, and stuff like that. You know, the ones that come all prepackaged and stuff. Now, what's your view? I think it's a, it's a great idea. I wish I could be bothered to, to, <laughs> to do it. No, it's a great idea and it's definitely mainstream and it's definitely something that people should do to be healthy and keep fit and, yeah, just, yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm all for it. All for it. Nice. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Daniel, what's your thoughts? Oh, my, I mean, this is my sweetheart. It saved my uh, my life in, in as, as someone living by yourself. Um, yeah, I think, I think it is... It is on transition on, on a transition to become mainstream. Um, yeah, I don't. I think yeah. I think it started as a trend and then it became mainstream because now there is a lot more providers. I remember there was one four or five years ago in Denmark that used to do it, but it was very limited and only like one out of ten of your friends had it had one. Yeah. But now most of the people I talk with have this kind of solution. It might not be every day, but they do have it for like four or three days a week. I, I like it because it's, uh, you know, uh, taking uh, and stopping food waste. I, I really yeah. like that aspect of it because, you know, you get the exact portion you need. And also yeah. it's very good for, you know, health and stuff because, you know, a lot of people, it, it's very hard to know serving sizes. Um, so it's it's great to have the perfect p portion, perfect sizing, uh, and there's no waste. The issue yeah. I have is that a lot of them are prepackaged in like plastic, um, which, you know, it's adding extra plastic. You know, you don't 
you, you've got a box and then more plastic and then ice and then more plastic around that. And then you've got fiberglass. And then in each single thing, you have like this tiny piece of garlic, you know, and it's packaged because, you know, you need a piece of garlic for every meal. And so you've got like seven of them and plastic around that and plastic. And um, so on top of like that for me is probably an issue. And then also I think if they took away the plastic part and made, you know, found some way to do sustainable packaging and then also worked with local providers like you know it was local food as well i think they would do really well but i, I do think it's going to be mainstream no matter what anyway yeah. um yeah, yeah. I, I i think a lot of supermarkets might even in the next 10 15 years jump in on the thing they already do the click and collect so you know they might do packages that you can buy from asda or tesco and stuff as well soon yeah exactly Okay, so um, well, that was um, our lovely uh, trend versus mainstream. If you have any ideas for what we should talk about next week on that section, please put in the comments now. Uh, but also, we're now going to do our favorite section, which is Q and A. Uh, please put in the comment section of whatever platform you're on. We'll see it no matter what. Um, please put on your questions for David, preferably. Um, if you have any other questions, we'll. For all of us, we'll also discuss those. Um, mm -hmm. While we wait for some questions to come in, uh, David, would you be happy to talk a little bit about the enterprise uh, that you were talking about earlier? Just explain a little bit more about it. Uh, of your so, the enterprise would be um, a body and service for um, a specific target audience, for example, 18 to 49. And the reason this might change, but the reason why I'm targeting those is because the service is for the over 50s and the services for children. But there doesn't seem to be much, many services for that age group. So it would be a budding service that would operate online, on the telephone, and then eventually face to face when we are to. <laughs> be face to face with one another yep. and it's just to help people overcome their isolation, their depression, their anxiety mm -hmm. or just to help them with their shopping or whatever they, whatever, or just to have a conversation with them. Um, so that's, I don't want to go into too much detail because so you never know someone might come up with a better idea <laughs> but that's that's what i'm kind of thinking at the at the moment and it's going to take a, a long time to sort of get off the ground i think because when initially i want to for grant funding for it i don't want to be spending too much of my own money on it without free investigating the grant aspect um, yeah. there's companies out there that give grants so i'm hoping that i can um get grants i've got a few meetings this week i've yeah. actually got a meeting with the generator team at greenwich tomorrow so hopefully they will give me some ideas they can helpful yeah they, they, they've yeah. been a help for us personally and and also business-wise so yeah you can look forward to that meeting um yeah gonna be good have you seen um one of my early before i moved to london i had a business mentor just for a while 
and he started something called Be My Eyes, which was meant for blind people. So they connected, um, just like you say, you know, a, a buddy connect with someone who needs that help or support. Yeah. That company only does it with blind people. So they, um, you know, if a blind person is out buying grocery, they connect with someone on the app and then someone's sitting on the other end showing or guiding them through it. So oh, would you be right, able to connect me with that person? I'll try. Obviously, again, it's five years ago since we, you know, talked. Yeah, um, but no. But, yeah. I'll send you first. I'll send you the link to that one, and then I'll yeah. uh, contact details and they can reach out. Okay. So we have one question, which is, uh, what's been your biggest challenge in marketing so far? Here's that to all of us. That's to, uh, I assume to you, uh, David. Uh... So the biggest change in marketing would be the biggest change in life, which is trying to change people's perceptions of of who I am because obviously they see this wheelchair user when they when they first see me, right? They they see this wheelchair user coming in. And if they've never met a wheelchair user before, mm-hmm. they're going to be nervous, right? They don't quite know what to say or how to deal with it. And then they hear, they hear me speak, and I would imagine that it makes them even more nervous. Mm-hmm. And 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 more. And they, but then they get to know me, and then they kind of think, ah, oh, this is this guy's cool. So in turn, I, I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing is that the marketing first and foremost is any successful marketeer has to promote their, has to know how to market themselves, mm-hmm. right? If you don't know how to market yourself, then you're not a marketeer. So you, so the way I market myself is just to be. Be yourself. So I, I suppose in marketing, the biggest change is just, just being your, just being yourself. And then if people, if you get rejected or people don't like what you're, you're, you're saying or whatever, there's seven being people in the world, right? You're gonna, you're gonna find people that are interested in what you're doing and what you're saying. And how you're marketing yourself, and maybe if you're not marketing yourself right, or you or or you 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 need help improving yourself, there's going to be people out there, mentors and stuff that will that will help you market yourself better. That's beautiful. So, like personal branding seems to be the biggest. Yeah, challenge. personal branding. But I, yeah. I I gotta say, David, like in um, you know, personal branding online is one thing. But in real life, you've done great word of worth marketing. Everyone in our group, everyone I know, only speak highly of you, and everyone is inspired by you. And it's always been since we saw you in in library. Um, so by your actions, you know, just by as you say, being by yourself, uh, being yourself. Sorry, being yourself and doing you know everything you had to do. It's it's inspiring itself. So you've done great personal branding. I gotta be. I gotta just tell you. Um, oh, online, of course, even myself and Jamal always say to us to each other, like, oh, we could do more personal branding online and stuff, but you know, it takes so much time. 
So, yeah, we just want to say a big thank you for ha- coming on, David. Um, we're going to get to the end here now. Um, and uh, we j- just thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Uh, if you yeah, need anything, thanks for having me. always available. David, um, do, you, do you need anything, David? Do you need anything from the for your social enterprise? Is there anything we can uh, put out in the world? That I, may- I, will, I will be speaking to you further down the line, I think, but not, not at the not at the moment. Uh, it's just it's literally just an idea at the moment. I mean, if if I if I get to speaking to you guys, then I I've I've got to a good stage. Yeah, right. no problem. But is there anything you need from the world, just as a whole? Is there anything uh, like anything like any anyone that could be watching this that you could uh, would be useful for you, or uh, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, to... no, I'm just, I'm just, what I need, what I could do with it, any, anybody that knows anybody from a social enterprise or anyone that has set up a social enterprise specific for people from, specifically targeting people from disadvantaged backgrounds, then mm-hmm. that would be helpful. But as many people, as many, I think, I think as well, marketers need as many mentors as they can get right to get to the next level. It's about marketing yourself to as many mentors in marketing as you can, right? Because you're going to get you're going to get people that say no. Particularly me, because my disability people are just going to say no because I'm disabled. Or they might say no to Jamal because he's got glasses. For example, there's, there's people out there who like that. So got you're going to get more no than you are yes. So I think it's important to market yourself to as many people as you can. Got it. Uh, well, thank you, David. Uh, we'll say goodbye to you. Um, okay. Thank you. Um, And uh, we just want to say a big thank you to everyone that's watched. We'll see you next week. Um, Same time, roughly, but stuff. And uh, we will be, yeah, we'll just hopefully be talking to someone uh, just as amazing. They've got a, uh, you know, there's a lot to top. David was wonderful today. Uh, So we will see you next week. Thank you very much. And uh, if you've seen our other brand, stay hungry. (laughs) 